Good morning. It's good to be here together. I'm glad that we can uh, join in God's presence together. And uh, welcome to those who are joining us online. Uh, it's a time for us to be united by God's Spirit, whether we are here in person or we are joining from home. So we're thankful for God's call. And before we begin our service, just a couple of announcements. Uh, one thing to mention is that during the season of Lent, there's a couple of different things happening on Wednesdays. Uh, one, there is a prayer time on Zoom at 12 o'clock on Wednesdays. And so if you have, I know your schedule might not work, but if you have 10, 15, 20 minutes, um, you know, we can join at noon and I'll lead that time. We pray for one another and we read some scripture together. So if you're interested in that, you can talk to me or the link is in the weekly email. Also on Wednesday evenings uh, through March at eight o'clock, there is a Christian education class. We're looking at the book, uh, Truth to Tell uh, by Leslie Newbegin to think about what it means to have, believe in the truth, especially in a public way, uh, and also the idea of repentance, the idea of God forming us and changing us. And so that, again, is online, and the link is in the weekly email, or you can let me know if you have questions or interest. Uh, but we had our first meeting last week, and it was really, uh, really encouraging and good and helpful, and we'll meet again this Wednesday, 8 o'clock. So those are just a couple of things to mention. Also, uh, we don't have our, our full service at this time, so we're not be collecting offerings. So if you'd like to give to the work of the church, there is a silver plate in the back, or you can give online uh, to the work of, of God's church. Let's take a moment of quiet uh, to prepare ourselves to come before God in worship. worship today is from Psalm 19, and I invite all of you in this room to stand up with me because there's a responsive leader part, and then uh, we won't sing together in here, but online you're welcome to sing along with me. Let's stand together. The heavens declare the day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and there's nothing hidden from its heat. The perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, sweeter also than honey. 
By them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, we give you thanks that you have called us, and Lord, it's an opportunity for us to pause and to remember that you, our creator, is the one you have interrupted our life, interrupted our schedules to call us to come and gather as your people in your presence. And so, Lord, we, we give you thanks that there's something more than our own voice or the voices that surround us, but there is your call. And we pray, Lord, today that you would remind us that you are a God that is different from us. In our uncertainties, we remember that you are the God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In our struggles to know what to do with the choices before us, you are the God who sees all things. Lord, in our anger, in our fear, Lord, you are the God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And so, Lord, by your Spirit, meet us wherever we are this day. Meet us in our joys, meet us in our fears and our worries. Meet us in our uncertainties and our worries and anxieties. Lord, we thank you for your call and your promise that in Christ that you meet us where we are, that you come to us. And so we pray that you'd minister to us this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This time, those children who are going to go to children's worship can uh, make their way to the back, and Melinda will be there uh, to meet them. Also, there, I don't know if you want to sit in the front, Santiago's. <laughs> there is a pew up front that's uh, not being used. You're welcome to come on down. <laughs> Well, when God calls us in his presence, he invites us to come and to confess our sins. Uh, not that we would be left with shame, but that we'd be set free by his grace and by his mercy. We're going to do this together as a people and then have a quiet personal confession. I invite you to join with me. This is what God told his people. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. But we are not always careful with the words we speak, and our tongues cause us to stumble frequently. With it we bless you, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in your likeness. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Lord, in your grace, forgive us. Thank you. 
invite you to take a moment of quiet and bring your own personal confession and needs to God. Lord, we thank you that you meet us in the midst of our sin and need. That you delight in welcoming home the one who has been lost. You delight in celebrating with the sinner who has repented and been forgiven. And so we give you thanks for the promise and the power of the work of Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll invite that you to stand uh, with me, and we can read together our words of assurance. These words come from Psalm 145. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also bears the cry and saves them. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The Old Testament lesson comes from Exodus 20, verses 1 through 17. The Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord, Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to, th to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. 
You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Our New Testament lesson comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 through 25. Christ, the wisdom and power of God. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is the word of the Lord. It's good to be here and to uh, worship with you uh, today. As I've mentioned, during the season of Lent, we are looking at some uh, gospel passages uh, that tell us specifically about Jesus and his announcement of the kingdom of God arriving in himself. And so we're going to continue doing that today, but looking at a passage from John 2, a passage in which Jesus um, acts with judgment, a prophetic judgment on the temple of God. So let's read this passage, and then I have a few questions that we can ask together to hear what God's saying to us today. This is from John 2, verse 13 through 22. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is God's word given for our good. As we spend some time looking at this passage, there's three questions that we'll briefly make our way through. What does Jesus do? Why does he do it? And then what does he offer? 
So we can start with, what does Jesus do? Well, we just read that it was the Passover in Jerusalem, meaning that the city and the temple were overflowing with people. Not just those who lived there, but people who were coming from all over the land. And at this busiest time, Jesus enters the temple, and he looks at the scene. And we're told in particular he finds the tables and the booths set up to sell animals and change money. And so it's worth us taking a moment to ask, why were these tables, why were these booths there? Oxen, sheep, pigeons, the animals that are mentioned, were the animals principally used in sacrificial worship? And as a convenience to the worshipers, especially those traveling a distance, the animals were available for purchase at the temple. Right? You can, we can understand this. Like we can imagine the marketing around this, right? You don't need to deal with the hassle of bringing the animal with you, right? Just come, and you can buy it when you arrive. Buy one when you get here. And of course, the money changers were there to make sure the transaction could happen no matter what coins you had. They could be exchanged for something that would be used in the temple. To get the many animals into the enormous temple structure, workers used ropes and whips of cords to push and lead the animals up the high stone steps into the building. We ask, what does Jesus do? Well, we see that Jesus takes some of this rope, some of the cord that the cattle and the sheep and the oxen would have recognized, and he forms them into a whip and forces the animals and the sellers outside. He drives them, he pushes them, out of the temple. In addition, he pours the coins from the money changers onto the ground, overturning their tables and yelling, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. As those removed by time and culture, it's hard for us to grasp the depth of the shock that would have been that Jesus did this in the temple the beating heart of Jerusalem, this place that was meant to show, here's what God, here's what the Lord of Israel is like. Jesus is saying that it has become a place that's giving witness to the kingdom of the world instead of to God himself. So that's what Jesus does, and we can ask for a moment, why? Why do this shocking action? It might be strange, but I want to start by mentioning Reese's peanut butter cups. I love a good Reese's peanut butter cup. I saw in the newspaper this week, there was a story that Reese's is introducing a new peanut butter cup that has only peanut butter, no chocolate. This is, this is terrible, right? I mean, anyone else think this is just a terrible idea? Well, the article was not happy, philosophically even wondering aloud, is it a peanut butter cup still a Reese's without a chocolate shell. <laughs> the wrapper says Reese's on the outside, but what's really inside now? <laughs> These are deep questions. Well, it might be a strange thing to mention, but it is helpful to understand what Jesus is suggesting. He's angry, but he's not out of control. He's done an intentional action that actually echoes what Jeremiah the prophet did hundreds of years before him. In Jeremiah 7, 
we hear God's word came to the prophet Jeremiah saying, stand in the gate of my temple, in my house, and proclaim to all who are there, amend your ways and your deeds. Execute justice. No longer oppress the traveler or the foreigner. No longer oppress the fatherless, the widow, the orphan. Quit exploiting the poor, Jeremiah says. No longer taking advantage of innocent people on this very site that is my house. No longer destroy your soul by using my temple as a front for worshiping other gods. Do you hear that? No longer use my temple as a front, as a wrapper to worship some other god. You use the Lord's name and you lose the temple. But what you're doing actually belongs to another way. See, Jesus is raising this same question, pointing to the same concerns. Selling animals, exchanging money, they provided a service, a helpful service, right? But it was marred with corruption and greed. Religious rights, the opportunity to make atonement, had become a means to take advantage of the poor and to make profit. Also, the location of these tables and booths was problematic. All these booths and transactions and animals, they must have been loud and busy, taking up a great deal of space. And where does it happen? It happens in the court of the Gentiles, in the very space that God set apart in his temple to welcome the nations, to welcome the outsider, to behold the light in that specific space that was now being used as a market with no place for the outsider to come. The poor are used. The Gentiles, the outsiders, are pushed out, forgotten for convenience. And Jesus is acting to point this out like Jeremiah and to say again, who are you worshiping? What is happening here? It's possible that the wrapping and that the language says Christianity But when we look closely and look inside, what's actually going on is the pursuit of another God, listening to another story, one about money or profit, about pride or looking out for your own. How could that be when our God, Jesus says, when my father identifies himself as the God of the widow, of the orphan, of the refugee, and of the humble? using the poor, forgetting the other or the outsider, these are always fruit of idols. Always the fruit of listening to the world's stories or following the world's kingdom. And Jesus wants us to see that clearly. So he acts, and he has a reason for doing so. And the last question we can ask is, what does Jesus offer? The story is not just about his action in the temple. You see, Jesus offers his very self. He offers his very self. If we are giving ourselves to false gods, false stories, if the temple, even the temple of God, is a den of robbers, is everything lost? But Jesus, in his interaction, reminds us and the people of that day, the temple and our religious practice, that was never our hope. 
It was never the basis of our rest in the God of Israel. Our hope's not in the temple, not in some kind of perfect religious practice, but in the faithfulness and the righteousness of God now displayed in Christ. You see, the religious people, their political and religious establishment, they were not pleased, obviously, by Jesus' shocking actions. And so they ask, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Basically saying, what gives you the right? Who are you that you can do these things, Jesus? Jesus replies, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. It's taken 46 years to build this temple. But our passage tells us that what Jesus was talking about here was his own body, the temple of his body. You see, he, not this physical temple, he, not the religious practices, he is our hope. And so therefore he offers himself as the true and the new temple. If you want to know who God is or God is like, then look at me. If you want to know how God treats the widow or the orphan of God, how God treats the outsider or the forgotten, look at me, Jesus says. Look at me to remember this truth that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Even all of us who would wrap ourselves in Christian language or Christian practice. All of us have sinned and fallen short. But in Christ and in him alone, we are justified by God's grace. A free and pure gift from God. Jesus invites us to look at ourselves, but also to see the gift that he offers. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. And we thank you, Lord, that you are good and gracious. And Lord, we thank you that you are willing, even in your temple, to challenge the established things to hold on to what is true and to remember those who are forgotten. We give you thanks in Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Do you see them with your 
take some time now to pray for one another and pray for our church and God's mission. Uh, in the future, we've been, every other week, we'll spend some time praying uh, the prayers of the people. So I invite you to share with me requests or updates that you have. Um, you can always reach out to me or one of the other pastors. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you, <clears throat> our Heavenly Father. Uh, we come because you tell us to bring our concerns and our worries, our hopes to you. So Lord, we come as your people and we ask that you would care for loved ones who are ill. Lord, we pray especially for Doug Zylister's mother, Sandra, who's undergoing cancer treatment. We pray for her, her body and her restoration. Lord, we pray for Adriana Lopez's <coughs> mother, who is also going through care for for cancer, we give you thanks for the effective surgery that she had, and we pray that the follow-up treatments would be effective as well. Lord, we pray for Susan Dawson's uh, Aunt Ev. We, we pray that you would care for her. Lord, we're saddened that she is going into hospice care, but Lord, we pray that you would be with her spirit, strengthening her, that she would find even in these times uh, a companion in Susan and the encouragement and rest by your spirit, Lord. Lord, we do come as those who have known loss, the loss of loved ones, whether through accidents or through illness. And so, Lord, we come acknowledging our grief and our mourning to you. But we also thank you, Lord, that we do not grieve as those without hope. We thank you, Lord, that your word is the final word, that your resurrection is the final word in all of our lives in Christ. And so we come and we ask that that would be an encouragement that you would hear our suffering and grief, but also encourage us in Christ. Lord, we do pray for the church as well as we've just looked at your word and have sung. We, we pray that the church, that we and your church throughout this city and this, this country and world, but we especially think of, of us and of Covenant and Boulevard, our, our sister churches, that we would be a witness, not to our own agendas, a witness not just to our strengths or our ideas, but we'd be a witness to you, Christ. And that, Lord, that we would use our gifts not simply for ourselves, but as a blessing to our neighbors as we speak of you with our words and actions. We pray especially, Lord, that you'd help us to minister and remember the poor, that we would welcome the sinner, that we'd feed the hungry, Lord, that we be willing to acknowledge our own brokenness and sin, our own failure to see and love our neighbors. 
We pray for this, that your spirit would be at work in us, that we may be a witness to you. Lord, meet us wherever we are this day. Give us hope in the midst of uncertainty and give us rest in the midst of our guilt and shame and give us energy by your spirit, strength and vitality to love one another and to love our neighbors. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to join together, join with me in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite you to stand. We can receive God's blessing. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, may the love of God surround you now and always. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may go in peace.